So many of us in this room, just the quality of the silence. It seems a pity to break it. <laughs> it's quite remarkable, isn't it, when you think of us, how many, many of us are gathered. Just a stillness. I'm surprised, really. I thought, 100 people? Maybe all this rustling and movement and and just the energy of it, but actually, my experience of it is just, it's actually very lovely just sitting with everybody. A bit different this evening, but <laughs> generally it's just been lovely. Just <laughs> so, so, this evening, um, I'm just more resonating with you in a sense. So really the invitation is that you know, it's not that you have to remember anything I say or anything like that. More just the chance to actually really rest back, come into the body, and then just feel what what happens when I when I say things, where they where they resonate, how they affect, we feel them. So just a it's more like a tuning fork or something. Where there's nothing I will say that you don't all know. So it's more just, just that sense of let us resonate with the things we find precious. Even, you know, even for the Buddha, when he was very, very sick, he got his disciples to chant in the Recollection of the enlightenment factors. Think, oh, it's interesting, isn't it? I just, even for a Buddha, just hearing, hearing those words, the different enlightenment factors, the different qualities of awakening, was healing, strengthening. So, really, it's in, more in that spirit. I'm offering this, just a sense of us. Just to, just to feel out what helps us hold and open to this experience. So, what's it like when we really come back into ourselves? What's it like? We're in this process of retreat and. Slowly, you know, some of the um, stuff we've come with, we kind of, we've been moving along quite quickly, many of us, and suddenly we come to a place where we can actually stop, a place that's safe, a place of refuge, we can start opening. 
really just to start appreciating what that is like. And it's not always an easy thing, is it? Because what's birth? Birth is birth into vulnerability. Birth into feeling. And so, as the as we start to actually calm and settle, maybe calm is the wrong word, but actually come into the hereness. There'll be all kinds of seasons passing through. And notice myself, I mean, yesterday, quite expanded. I met with some folk and I'd got, so everything was possible. It was a very nice feeling, that kind of summer feeling of fullness. And then this morning, coming in, maybe it was that the snow had been falling. It's just much more small in a way, just feeling the quite different heart qualities. It was all just a different tone coming through. Like sitting today, feeling that. And thinking, well, I don't even know whose it is, really. I mean, here we are with so many of us. All we can know is that there's this this experience, the sadness or whatever. And then as we start certainly in small groups, hearing each other a bit, we start to realise, well, actually, we're in a shared field. So, yes, we talk about chitra's morphic resonance, but just the same kind of forms, they start to resonate with each other. So, myself, I don't really have to sort out why I can be sitting there at two o'clock feeling quite sad or, or small, but more... It's a case of, or seems to me that it's more just being able to open to that and let it do what it does. And you know, this evening it's quite a different season. Just can we can we just have the flow of that? What that takes is to keep coming into the hereness. There's been a real encouragement over these preceding days, really, just to start coming out of any ideas about what we should be doing or what should be happening or what should be going on, and to actually, you know, what is, what is happening, what is needed, and what's it like. And it seems really critical to me that we start actually becoming more sensitive and more responsive. So we're not not here practicing out of some idea about how we should be, what we need, you know, what we need to be like, how much better we have to become. When we say those things, it's each of us can hear that that's just impossible, isn't it? You know, to actually be practicing out of out of our sense of, you know, I should be like this or I should be like that, because it's so endless. I 
when settling myself, I found that those kind of voices are completely merciless. The ones that are not about what's going on here, but what should be happening. They're just merciless. I, sitting today, I just remembered a few years back doing a, I had a week called solitary retreat at Chatterst. A couple, I was actually doing it in the cottage. It wasn't, that day I wasn't so well, so I went up to the house. The Chatterst, the nuns live in a separate cottage, about a ten minute walk up and down a hill. So I went up at the meal time, got up there and I thought, no, I'm not really up to eating, so I asked permission not to eat and went back down again. I was sitting and I just went back and sat. Now, ended up just sitting for about five or six hours, just in meditation, quite present, feeling the body, feeling what was going on, the different agitations and things. So the mind just kind of opened, it was calm, bright. And in the cottage you can hear everything. So about five o'clock I heard this rattle, rattle downstairs and it was the teaspoon cupboard opening. And I realized, oh, it must be tea time. And I heard you know, the jug going on, the kettle boiling and different things. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll have a drink. And I haven't eaten, I'll have something to drink. And then this voice came. And it was just saying, you're just so lazy. <laughs> you know? You're just, you know, you should be practicing. Here are you on retreat, you should be practicing. And I had this incredible feeling. I thought, aha, I've caught you. <laughs> it was like catching Mara with her hands in the till. <laughs> and it was very important for me because now I've really seen it. It's merciless. No, there was I, unwell, sick, sat for five hours. No, bright, just going to have a cup of tea. (laughs) This is what most of us are up against. So it's very good as we're practicing just to remember that. That it's just not going to let up on that level. We have to come to quite a different place. So... Where is the place where we're actually free from that? There's a place that's actually loving and affirming and says, well, yeah, you know, like for myself, I mean, I've gone from one side of the world to the other, you know, given up home and family, and really to take confidence in that and says, well, actually, you know, look what we've all given up, say, coming here, and to trust our own movement to awakening and really empower that. It's actually, we don't need someone standing over us with a stick. We are waking up beings. It's something for myself I have to really keep coming back to. There doesn't have to be a judge. There doesn't have to be a diligent disciple even. Even even diligence can be abandoned. And we just trust, trust our aspiration. 
This seems very, very important. When so many of us have got voices that are, they're just not going to let up in terms of what we should be or what we should be doing. And then it's so, um, it just eats away. It's where the confidence. So it's, you know, it seems now more and more for myself just to keep deepening, affirming, growing that confidence that all that is needed is just to open to what's happening right here and now. I don't need to be anywhere else and nothing else needs to be going on. It's really this quality of the Buddha knowing the Dharma. So then we have to start checking out for ourselves what helps us to do that? What helps us to actually come to a place of refuge? It's it's obvious, you know, for ourselves here that sila is a is the first thing. It does matter how we live, and we can really taste the fruits of our life when we sit to meditation. When we see, well, the fact we aspire to live well, this means we can be more and more present with experience. Even with our falling away, we can be more present because we can trust our aspiration. And so just really trusting our movement to harmlessness. So we have to keep exploring for ourselves, each of us. We're all in different places, different places in our process. What do we actually need so that we can just come here? So we have things that provide a wholesome ground. And then in this present moment, what is needed? And this is faith. Faith that it actually it is, it is transformative. Facing what the Buddha is actually teaching, that the Dharma is here and now, knowable. That it is just a case of opening, opening and seeing. I have a very favourite verse, and I don't know if I'm up to reciting the whole of it, but we can maybe a bit of it, because it's got three of my favourite Pali words in it. And it's, One translation in the English is, let a person not revive the past, nor in the future build their hopes, but in the present let them dwell, having insight into each presently arisen state. 
Let them know that and be sure of it, invincibly, unshakably. Today, the practice must be done. Tomorrow death may come, who knows. I won't say the whole thing, but just that, that real sense of actually, it's actually now. We have everything we need now. And you know, to be waiting till tomorrow when we feel a bit calmer or whatever isn't really where it's at. It's actually everything can be awakened to right now. The Pali is, um, that I like is Pachupanancha Yodamam Tata Tata Vipasati Sanghirang Asankupang goes on, but it's these three words I like. Pachupan, which is the here and now, and Tata, which is the sense of the thusness, the, the suchness. So it's really the sense of the here and now suchness of things. Really knowing the here and now suchness of things. So it's not about constructing all kinds of different moods and tones and feelings in the heart, but just actually just knowing the way things are. And then this akupang, which is this Unshakeability, unshakeability in this. The awakening is often talked about as the unshakable deliverance of the heart, which is a very um, gladdening way for me to think of it. Since really my experience is is of this shaking. Not, not too badly right now, but but just a uh, being so um, resonant, affected, open to things. So, so where is a place where I can actually be fully with the way things are, and for the heart to be still, still, so that it can actually fully receive, be fully empathetic. So this is the possibility of the teaching. That we can we can actually come into the present moment and find calmness in that stability. And what I what I mean by calm, and I think maybe calm's not such a great word because it's kind of dangerous, is a is a collectedness or a sense of presence, or the Arjuna's been using the word essence. So it's the sense of actually wholeness, um, a kind of unity, a unity of presence. And so it's, it then becomes possible if, if that's what the, the tone of the thing is that it doesn't actually matter what's going down on some level. I mean, obviously there are things, some things that are more skillful than others, some more wholesome than others, but actually in terms of our heart experience, 
we can we can open to the whole of it gently, softly, and with this faith and confidence that actually presence is transformative. But it's a it's a challenge, isn't it? Because there's so much it can be pushing us forward and back, you know, back into the past, into regret and all kinds of things, um, hostility, negativity, or forward into the future. And so it's it seems we really need the realization that actually there is no other time but now. The past has gone. There are the the ripples or the resonances that are still here. And and certainly as we come into the body, more fully into the body, we can feel the effects of our life. But they're here now. And so it's here and now that the, the healing and the release can come. You know, I, I can't go back and straighten things out with my dog, you know, or whatever, you know, the things that we still feel some, um, still chew at us in some way, but it's actually here. And that to me, you know, is wonderful that, that actually I can do the healing here. And really, you know, the the future has not arrived, so there's no, you know, we're just ch- chasing phantoms and imaginings when we actually start going forward into the future. And mostly we're going forward with fear. You know, all the thinking, all the thoughts, the kind of strategies to keep us safe, to make the unknown known, in my experience. So it's really coming back into here and just experiencing a sense of refuge or safety in that. We can, you know, it's fascinating how we construct things. I was about a couple of years ago, I guess now, at at home in New Zealand, and it was my... (coughs) One of my nieces, my youngest niece's fifth birthday. And, you know, she was a, a kind of sweetie, and, and you know, well, hasn't yet really had any television or anything like that. So it's just kind of just quite, you know, the thing all she wanted for her birthday was a red balloon. Kind of <laughs> hasn't quite got up to speed, really. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very interesting because I Flora made me think of it today. She's five years old and you wake up at your birthday and you expect you've grown an inch taller. But the great disappointment in realising 
you know, she hadn't suddenly become this tall just because she was five. And we had this this day, and she won't start school till she's seven. But she had been to kindergarten, and kindergarten they make a kind of fuss, and so she'd been a queen all morning. And we'd been very careful, and we so we didn't have a birthday tea or anything. We'd had that the night before. But she was sitting at tea time. And then she started sobbing. She was sobbing and sobbing, crying into a tea. And she was, I'm too tired to eat. <laughs> and she said, and the other thing was, we had a few sparklers. I don't know what they are in American. Sparklers? Yeah. So sparklers are very exciting when you're five years old. She said, too tired to eat. And I'm too tired to stay up till it's dark. And I'll never see the sparklers. <laughs> and she said, I was tired when I was three. <laughs> I was tired when I'm four. Now I'm five, I'm really tired. <laughs> when I'm six, I'll be tired. When I'm seven, I'll be tired. I'll never see the sparklers. <laughs> this is almost verbatim. This is, uh, I thought, wow. <laughs> just, just what it's like, isn't it? You know, and, I mean, and I thought, five, and it's already like that. <laughs> Just that sense that we take the mood of the present moment and we wash it back and we wash it forward. And, you know, we totally become it and we're trapped in it. We really lose the sense of the, you know, just the sense that it's something dependently arising. It's just, you know, and next night, you know, there we were rushing around the house, sparklers flying, you know, whole thing's gone, but just that, it was just, it really brought me up short because to hear, to hear this thing so clearly articulated, this, this movement backwards, it's not even like we're moving back into some kind of reality, we're moving back into something that's created by the moods and feelings of the present. And we move forward from the same place. And so there's no freedom in that. It's like we just more deeply box ourselves in with the, the moods and feelings we're bound by at the time. Really, we've just got to come into the present moment and trust the flow. Just the, it's they're just the kind of suchness of things. It's, they're just like this, and and really, not, you know, my attempt is to try not to keep adding more to them. It's sadness is like this, and feel it wash through here and wash through there, come through the body, and does it need to be more than that? 
Can we be that simple? Things are as they are. And they arise out of causes and conditions. And when those causes and conditions cease, they cease too. If we let them, or even if we don't, that's that's the nature. <coughs> so this sense then that the Buddha is our excellent refuge. As we're chanting, for me there is no other refuge. The Dharma is my excellent refuge. For me there is no other refuge. The Sangha is my excellent refuge. For me, there is no other refuge. So what a, this is really pointing to this coming to the thusness of things. I, I hold, you know, I think of the Buddha as that quality of awakening. The Dharma is the way it is. And the Sangha is just that movement, the actualization of that, in which we see in this incarnations, which is that sense of the waking upness. And really, what other refuge is there? And as we practice, we can start to get the sense of the profoundness of that. When we can actually just come into here, Come into now and be with this. You know, I'm sure you've experienced like me that if I come into the pain in my body, come into the pain in my heart, you know, it's lovely. Well, and what is lovely is just that sense of being here and willing, open, receptive. It's when we stop arguing with conditions, it's that sense of, of stability of mind. And so it's quite an extraordinary teaching to me, the Buddha's teaching, you know, this, this whole sense of trusting suffering coming into suffering and really seeing in that very act there is a cessation of it. You know, we see the deeper ground, which is this awareness. That which can know, that which can allow the flow of things, things to wave through. And as we as we start to open practice, you know, and some of the armouring and some of the speediness falls away. You know, all kinds of things will wash through. And it really seems to me to be able to trust that all of them can ripen in awakening. And there's a very lovely um, sequence that the Arjun can probably tell you tomorrow. <laughs> So I can give you little bits of it. 
you know, and, and it's like rooted in desire of all things. And it comes through to um, born of contact, converging on feeling. And then this passage through, it comes to the sense that yielding deliverance is of Yielding deliverance as essence are all things. Merging in the deathless are all things. And just that real sense that it actually, you know, we can awaken to whatever. The agitated mind, the calm mind, this feeling, that feeling. Some are certainly easier, aren't they? Because it, they're easier to keep stability with. And some things, and just you know, and that's the value of cultivating wholesome states. They're just easier to to come into contact with. But whatever we can contact, we can awaken to. We're talking a bit this morning, just the sense, you know, that it's the whole sense that actually, like, everything is actually trying to help us wake up. And and my experience is that, you know, if if I get um, resentful or angry, you know, those states arise. The tendency once would have been would have been partly to be surprised, and then to think that actually this stuff shouldn't be happening. And I had an interesting retreat a few years back. Actually, I realised I was quite resentful. You know, things were shaping up in a sangha in a way that didn't really seem to suit me very well at all. Yeah, and certainly has taken some opening to. And I was walking up and down, walking up and down, and just you know trying to stay present to this quite unpleasant feeling. And then, as I started to get more used to it in a way, and, and be more able to handle it, to feel it. And then to come around it and to come under it, it, it was quite um, revealing for me because the very resentment was this incredibly caring voice you know, who was saying, hey, you're not looking after yourself well enough. And it was like this voice that had been probably started off really quiet and I hadn't noticed. It would have been just poking me from the side. I hadn't listened, and it just got louder and louder and meaner and meaner, until you know there I was for a couple of weeks having to having to actually receive it. But the the thing I'm being left with, and I felt more and more that all of it wants us to wake up. So we can really trust to go into this stuff. There are no demons. And when we really come into our heart, you know, there are awakening hearts. 
So the, it's, it's really, can we then just explore the, the different qualities and tones that arise, the ones we think are okay and the ones we think shouldn't be there. Just find out actually what they're, what's holding them, what's around them, what they're about. You know, and let them, let them yield deliverance. Momentary deliverances or whatever. You know, just the, so we get more and more confident. We become fearless. We're fearless in our knowledge. You know, that actually it is just enough to be here. Coming into the thusness of things. And it really helps, doesn't it, to have some good friends around. So you realise you're in a whole field where this is going down. And really tone, tune into it. And think. So we support ourselves and each other in that, that fearlessness. And so, yeah, it's first into the body is the birth into fear. The birth into the Dharma is birth into fearlessness. So for my part, coming here, being with you all, meeting in a small groups, it's been just very touching. And just that, just that sense of actually how connected we all are, you know, coming and you know, recognizing a surprising number of people, and and then seeing how much you all know each other. And even those who might have come not knowing anybody now know a hundred other people. And you just realise, well, actually, we're in a huge field of support. And it can give us the courage to keep moving, moving into the areas where we, our hearts start shaking. So we take confidence and strength from each other, gladness, the sense of sangha and rejoice in it. And we can use these tones and we sit in meditation to help collect the mind. And just to, you know, 
here we are with us all. And let that, that actually suffuse the heart, gladden it, collect it. Enough for me for tonight. I wish you all courage.
Oh, uh-huh. 